It's The Little Big Things with Matt and Tom, and we are catching up now with a young fella from Perth called Josh Lowe, and we had to get Josh on the line after we uh, saw a very, very life-changing Facebook post by Josh. Good morning, Josh. (laughs) How are you going, Tom? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you for having a chat with us this morning. No worries. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Josh, for the listeners, give us a little bit of a background to you. What is Josh Lowe? Who is Josh Lowe? (laughs) Uh, well, for the past three years, I've been working uh, for the Archdiocese, Catholic Archdiocese of Perth, um, as a journalist and then later content producer. Um, and before that, I was working for Catholic Youth Ministry, also for the Archdiocese of Perth, and I've spent maybe somewhere about, about eight, nine years uh, involved in youth ministry at a parish level as well. Um, so, yeah. And yeah, like you know, like you said, with the Facebook post, um, a lot of big things, a lot of big changes going on at the moment. Um, yeah, in life. Yeah, a lot of exciting things. So yeah, you've yeah. you've lived a very action-packed last couple of years. Traveling is another massive part of your life. Uh, for anyone who follows yeah. you on Facebook, uh, mate, photos galore of uh, all your extensive <laughs> travels, and that that actually plays a part in this. Uh, what's leading to this decision? Yeah, like you know. The funny thing is, is that uh, a lot of the time when I'm away traveling and stuff, um, I, looking back now, I can see how God has been present to me uh, along the whole way. Like, I, it's a funny thing that I just, you know, re- like, I guess I'm more open to it when I'm traveling, but I start noticing like more and more how God is working in my life. And um, yeah, I think it's because of the time away, just spending time uh, in a more reflective state, I suppose. I 100% agree. I think a lot of um, a lot of Catholics who go traveling actually find this, especially in retrospect, when you'll be traveling, um, you can often find that it's easier to meditate when you're just disconnected from everything. But then afterwards, yeah. when you look back at it, you, all these things just line up and you go, oh, wow, look at that spider web of God doing things in my life that I had no idea was going on. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's incredible when it happens. Yeah, it sure is. Um, so I'll give you one example. Actually, I have so many stories. Um, so what actually, like, um, uh, where this this idea for, for going on a mission trip. So um, I am planning to go on a mission trip in Honduras in about two weeks, and I'll be there until around the middle of the, until like July, uh, officially anyway, so far. Um, and where this came from actually started in 2018, um, from when I was struggling with my faith, um, not necessarily like the head knowledge side of it, but, you know, just like feeling my faith. And I told a good friend of mine, I was like, you know, I've, I've kind of like lost that feeling. Like, I know I know about like the teachings of the church and, you know, I can, you know, I know the documents and stuff like that, but um, I don't feel as if I have a deep relationship with Christ. And it kind of bugs me. I felt like, you know, spiritually spiritually dry, and how like Mother Teresa talks about spiritual dryness. I was, in, in fact, you know, kind of feeling the same thing. Um, and so my friend, you know, he encouraged me to, to pray and ask the Lord to um, grant me the grace to feel my faith again. And very soon after that, I left and I had gone to Ecuador. So I was traveling through South America. And so at, at this point in time, I was in Ecuador. And I'd message a priest friend of mine, Father Marius, and I said, you know, do you mind just praying for me? Because I'd planned to, to go mountain climbing. And he was like, yeah, sure. And then he's like, what are you doing for Mass on Sunday? And then I was like, oh, no. Like, I'd completely forgotten. 
and I'd completely forgotten to that I needed to, you know, get to maths on the weekend. And so this this goes back to before the trip, I uh, before I left on the trip in the first place. You know, my mind wasn't completely centered on God. It was kind of like, you know, okay, like I'm going to have an awesome time. I'm going to have lots of fun. But God wasn't necessarily at the center of my plans. And so Father Maris told me, he said, he was like, I guess the first mistake was you actually just like not thinking about it in the first but in the first place. But you know, you got to get to math. So try your best to get to math. Um, so you know, I contacted the, the the tour operator, and they were like, "Yeah, no worries, we can get you to math." So thanks for that. I managed to make that. Uh, I made, made it for the Saturday vigil in this little village in the mountains of Ecuador. But after he told me that, um, friends of mine, Luke and Montana, messaged me, and they they, they said to me that they were um, praying for my trip, and they were asking Saint Joseph for his intercession. So then, you know, we, we leave to go on just to, to start the climbing, the mountain climbing um, adventure, whatever you call it. And um, I walk out of our building to jump in like the the car that would take us off into the mountains. And I look back, and the building is called Edificio de Saint Joseph. So the building of, but then Saint Joseph in English instead of like San Jose in in Spanish. And I was like, oh, well, that's a nice coincidence. Um, and so, yeah, we went off, we did everything, um, managed to get to Mass in the Mountains, and then came back to the capital in Quito. And the friends that I was um, traveling with, they had gone back to America um, because, you know, they they'd actually, their flight was one day earlier than mine. So I had a whole day of just exploring Quito on my own. But before I got to Ecuador, I'd realized that uh, Our Lady of Good Success, the statue of Our Lady of Good Success, was based there in Quito. They're Marian apparitions, which are officially recognized by the church, and they happened to this nun called Mother Mariana in, I think, 1600s. I can't remember now. Somewhere around there. And um, so I went there, and I'm walking to the church, and, and there was this guy there, and he said, oh, you know, you can't see the statue because it's, it's hidden away in the convent, but maybe you can go and try to ask the, um, the mother superior or the nuns next door um, if they'll let you see the body of Mother Mariana. So, you know, next door I go and like knock on like this revolving wooden, you know, like because they're closer, it's like a little revolving um, door type thing where, where people usually would put stuff or like if they want to get like medication or whatever from the nuns. Because the nuns also, um, they also made like honey and medicate, like they had yeah, remedies and stuff like that. And so I asked and I said, hey, you know, the guy next door told me to come looking to see if, 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 um, I could see the body of the body of Mother Mariana, and she was like, "Oh yeah, one one second. So then the Mother Superior opens up the doors, comes outside, and she's like, "Come with me." And so I enter with her, and she takes me to this little room, um, and there in this glass case is the body of Mother Mariana, who is, I think, a servant of God at this point. And so, like, we're just sitting there, we're praying, and she's like, oh, let me tell you a story. So I was like, yeah, you know, I know the story. You know, um, I work as a journalist for the church. I'm familiar with um, the whole story of the apparition. So she's like, oh, cool. I mean, she didn't really say that, but she didn't speak English. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, um, so then, then she's like, you know, follow me, follow me. She takes me up this um, staircase, and we, we go up, and there's these big doors in front of us. And inscribed on the doors, La Casa de Dios, like the house of God. So like she opens up the doors and we walk inside. And immediately I just see the tabernacle there. 
and my eyes are just immediately drawn to it. It was, it was just splendid. You know, uh, it was just made of gold, but it wasn't necessarily that was gold. Um, I mean, yes, that caught my eye, but what held my eye was that I could just really feel the presence of God there. And I was so drawn to it that I walked into the chapel and I didn't realize that on my right that there was something there. I looked to my right and it's the statue of Our Lady of Good Success and the actual statue. And I was like dumbfounded. I was I was standing there and I was kind of like, what? I thought, you know, maybe this is a replica because down, down in the church next door, um, there's a replica of the statue. So I was really confused. I was like, is this another replica or is this like the real thing? And so the nun's like, you know, this is the statue of a lady could success come, let's pray. So like we kneel down, we start praying. And as I was kneeling there, I just had thoughts running through my mind, you know, what did I do to 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 deserve this? Like to to be granted this opportunity to be here. Um and I was just very grateful for being there. And I started to cry. And then the nun like taps me on the shoulder and she's like, Okay, come with me, go stand in the corner and I was like, What? Like, why are you asking me to go stand in the corner? <laughs> what have I done um, wrong? <laughs> yeah. And um, so then I stand there and she's like, where you're standing is actually where Our Lady appeared to Mother Mariana. And I was like, whoa. I was like, just, I was, I just had no words to explain how I felt at that moment. So then she's like, okay, I'll leave you, I'll leave you alone. You know, um, you can stay here and just pray for a, a little bit. Um so I knelt down in front of the tabernacle and I started to pray again. And the same the same words came to my mind. Um, I was like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I did, God, I didn't put you at the center. I didn't make you the focus. I just wanted to, you know, do like do all sorts of things just for my own enjoyment. Like I never really thought about you. Like, you know, why me? Like, why do I get, why do I get to be here and, and, and experience this? And in my heart, I, it was as if God spoke to me in that moment and I heard him clearer, like obviously not, a, not an actual voice, but I heard him as clear as day in my heart and he said to me, it is not by what you do that I grant you the graces, but you needed a reminder because you've forgotten how much I love you. And in that moment, I just broke down sobbing. And this man, she, she would have been like standing near the door, she's probably like, what is wrong with this kid? <laughs> um yeah, but, you know, it was, it was such a powerful moment. But then the funny thing was, is that I left, and I left Quito, and I went back to Colombia, actually, to Medellin, and it was as if, a, a, like, I flicked a switch in my mind, and back it was, like, yeah, I'm off to go partying again, you know? Um, and honestly, it's so distracted to get, uh, so, sorry, it's so easy to get distracted by the things of this world. I was on a walking tour um, with, uh, a couple of guys that randomly met on the on the streets and stuff, just exploring Medellin, and um, they were like, "Oh, you know, like, let's go play soccer, let's organize a game and stuff." And we would go out and um, party during the week and stuff, and just explore. And but it came to the end of my trip in the city, Medellin. So I was there for one week, and it's my last day there, and I was roaming around the city just looking for food magnets because I collect food magnets, and. I really felt empty. Like there was this emptiness that just sat there and I was like, I feel so unfulfilled here as if I haven't actually achieved anything here um, or there's nothing noteworthy that has happened, especially after such a powerful experience in Quito. And so I was walking up and down the street and I see this church and so I'm like, okay, I'll just go in. So I walk inside and it's the Church of St. Joseph. 
So I kneel down, I start praying. I'm like, Lord, what do you want from me? I know I haven't put you first again, but please, you know, whatever it is, help me, help me find whatever it is I'm looking for that can fulfill, uh, fulfill me essentially. And, and I was like, Saint Joseph, you know, like help me out. I really need your help. I, and I can't explain it. There was just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't quite despair, but it was just a, a deep sadness and emptiness. And so I, I walked out, and I realized. Uh, I was walking around the the city for maybe an hour or so after, and I realized that, oh, no, you know, like, the sun is setting. I need to get back to my apartment because I wanted to film uh, drone footage. And I was like, you've got to get back to my apartment. So I look uh, at the street, and there are taxis everywhere. In Medellin, there are taxis everywhere, and they're mostly always empty. But at this point in time, they were all occupied, and I was so annoyed. I was standing in the middle of the street, like trying to hail a taxi and they were like all go by. At least 10 or 11 taxis went by and they were just, you know, filled with people. So in my frustration, I opened up my Uber app and I was like, yep, okay, uh, I'll use Uber. And then it, uh, the notification on my phone says like the guy's like 12 or 13 minutes away. And I was like, oh, frustrating. I'm wasting time. Um, and then the voice uh, in my head was just like, just be patient, Josh. It's okay. Just be patient. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll just be patient. and. Um, so the guy comes, I jump in his car and we start talking and his name is Simon and, um, you know, we have like a conversation, 15, 15, 20 minutes of conversation. Then he's like, Hey, are you, uh, are you a local or are you a foreigner? And I was like, um, I'm from Australia. He's like, Oh yeah. Cause I saw your name, like Joshua. And so then he tells me, yeah, you know, I, I used to, I used to, um, live in Australia. I was on a working holiday visa. Uh, over in, I think it was the Gold Coast or, uh, or maybe in like the Cairns area. And he he said, you know, um, uh, do you know what your name means? And I was like, why is he asking me this? Like, it's such a strange question to ask someone if they know the meaning of their own name. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, you know, Joshua, like, you know, coming from Yeshua, like, so God saved, yeah, it means God saved. And he goes, yeah, you know, um, I only found that out quite recently that the name Joshua means God saves. And I know where I found that out. I just can't remember where. But, you know, it, when I saw your name on the on the Uber app pop up, um, I was like, oh, yeah, God saves. And it reminded me of my time in Australia because I was like, I was just a bad person really involved in like um, drugs and alcohol and, you know, and God saved my life. And so when I saw your name come up on the Uber app, like it just reminded me of how God works in my life. And then he takes out his miraculous medal and he's like, so I belong to this community. And I was like, oh, mate. And I was like, <laughs> I have the same one. <laughs> like the same, the same miraculous medal. Um, and he, we, we start talking about the faith. Um, you know, I told him that I actually worked for, um, worked for the church back home and he was like, wow. And then he's like, what are you doing tonight? And at that point I hadn't had, I hadn't solidified any of my plans. Um, I opened up this couch surfing app, which I, which I do, um, to meet people a lot of the time when I travel, um, where you just like get, uh, there's an event that's happening and you can just go to the event with other people who are also on the app. And sometimes, you know, uh, it's like 40, 50 people all in one place. And so that was my intention initially. But when he asked me to join him and his community um, later that night, I was like, we were driving past the church and I was like, 
I can see God's hand in this. I just need to say yes. And so, yeah, I was like, you know what? Yeah, that'll be cool. So he dropped me at my apartment and he was like, okay, I'll pick you up at about seven o'clock. And um, just around that, around that time frame, I get a message from the guys earlier in the in the week that I'd met on the walking tour, and they're like, "Oh, sorry that we did, you know, we didn't manage to organize a soccer game." And I was like, "Oh, no, no stress. Like, I got this thing on now, so all good." And I get back to my apartment, and I'm sitting there just waiting for Simon to come and pick me up. And then he messages me because you know we stopped uh, Facebook messages. He messages me and he's like, "Hey, Josh, um, if you like, we can go play soccer after." And I hadn't told him anything about soccer or anything. He was like, we can go play soccer after, so bring your soccer stuff along and then we'll go um, after the, the night is done. And I was like, whoa. So I grabbed my stuff, all excited and everything, and we go off when, when he comes to pick me up. We go to um, the, his community, and so we have like the rosary, catechesis, adoration, praise and worship. And I'm just like, you know, dumbfounded that everything's happened like this. They were singing, there was, there was one point where the group, they were all singing Viva Cristo Rey, like Long Live Christ the King. And I was so touched that I started recording it. But it was only when I came back to Australia that I had a look at the video again and I realized that in the corner there was a little statue of St. Joseph. And I was like, whoa, um, you know, he's been present to me the whole time, like helping me out. Um, so after this night of uh, prayer, like together, we went to, they took me to, I think it was a group of like 20 of us, to a soccer, like a soccer pitch on top, on a rooftop that looked out over the whole city. And it was just like incredible. And so, so yeah, I suppose that was like the start of my reawakening, to call it that. And then, so that, that really um, struck a chord with me for the rest of the trip. And then I ended up going to Panama um, to work for World Youth Day. But then when I came home, you know, uh, I think I, I kind of slowly fell back into the routine of daily life and, you know, the, the excitement of, of seeing God come up in uh, all places kind of, you know, faded a little bit. Until I actually left um, to go to America, to the U.S., to Michigan, I was, I was visiting uh, a friend of mine because we were actually discerning uh, dating. But things things didn't, it didn't work out in the end, but the whole time, um, I was like, you know what? I, I'd remembered uh, a, a Bible verse from a speech that a newly elevated bishop had given. And he said, he quoted Romans 8.28, and he said, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so I, I, told, this, I told this girl that, and I said, you know, like, whatever happens, all things work together for good for those who love God, so I'm not stressed. So when things weren't going well, um, we were like, you know, this, we, we, I think we, we decided that it was just not going to work out. I was like, that's okay, you know, um, all things work together for good for those who love God. And that was the reading at Mass earlier in the morning, which is why I, uh, I said it. And then she says to me, that's funny, because the other day, um, my friend told me the same thing. And I was like, well, cool. Well, there you go. Um, and so then I ended up leaving. I went to, I flew to, to Europe and I went to the Basilica of St. Therese of Lisieux um, because of, uh, she's one of my favorite saints actually, St. Therese. Um, so in the Basilica of St. Therese, I had this book um, that I was given. Um, it's called The Way of Trust and Love and it's a guided reflection based on the writings of St. Therese uh, by Father Jacques Philippe. And anyway, so I'm sitting there in her basilica and I'm just like flipping through this book and reading it. And then here it comes up and it's like, 
and we know all things work together for good for those who love God. And I was like, ah, oh, here we go. Like, you know, another another little moment. I left this year. I went to Lourdes. And when I was in the sanctuary of Lourdes, you know, it was off-peak because this was like November last year. Um, and I had done everything that there was to do quite uh, quite quickly. So I went and sat outside the information center because they had free Wi-Fi. And I opened up YouTube because I just felt like watching something. And I was like, well, I'm in Lourdes. So I typed in Our Lady of Lourdes. And the first video that caught my eye was lessons from uh, lessons from St. Bernadette and Our Lady of Lourdes. So I opened it and I started watching. And four minutes in, the guy's like, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. And I'm like, by this time, I'd already come to, come to the conclusion that, okay, like God is trying to tell me something. But I just don't know what it what it is yet. Like you know, this quote keeps coming up. This verse. So I'm just gonna you know just keep reflecting on it slowly. And then um, I came back from Lourdes, and uh, I came back at the end of the year. So I think I had two weeks, and then there was um, the Australian Catholic Youth Festival. So I was working for for, for the Australian Catholic Youth Festival. And I had like a little chunk of time where I just didn't have anything on. Like I think it was my lunch break and there was nothing scheduled. I wasn't supposed to be anywhere. And I looked at what was going on, like what, what the program was. And one of the keynote speakers, Joe Melendrez, was, was you know, giving an open, inter- open uh, interview in, in the expo room area. So I'm, I went there and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to film this. So I went there to film it. And he's sitting there in his interview, and then he goes, you know what, actually, I feel called to tell you guys this, that all things work together for good for those who love God. And again, I was, you know, I was like dumbstruck. And uh, I went to tell a friend of mine. I was like, oh, like, I told him the whole story of everything that happened. And I was like, and Jim Melendrez just said all this. Like, I can't believe it. And so he was like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. And then the next day he comes up to me, and jokingly he goes, Oh, so has, has, has that verse come up again today? And, um, and I was just like, nah, nah, it hasn't. But you know what? Like, God's got a good sense of humor. If he's willing to entertain me, I'd be more than happy for it to come up again. And so um, that was the final day. So we went to the the um, the event area for the for the mass to, to close ACYS. And I'm there editing photos and videos, and my boss is like, no, Josh, like, don't, don't edit the photos and videos, leave it, just go and film, just go and film. And so I grab the camera and I go and start filming, and maybe within a minute of me starting to film, Joe's on stage again, and he's like, and all things work together for good for those who love God. And, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, you be kidding me. But that's not it. Um, the, the funny thing was, was that, you know, I thought, okay, here it is. God's trying to tell me something, but what is he trying to tell me? So I spent a lot of like the Christmas period reflecting on it. And the the conclusion I came to was essentially that uh, what I need to do is make God the center of my life. I need to love him more than anything else first. And when I do that, then everything that I, you know, everything will just come together. Everything that I, you know, um, have worries about or um, am unsure about, or, you know, just my general path in life. And once I love God, everything will naturally fall into place. But I need to make him the center and make him the focus. And so I started this um, 33 days of prayer, like each each day dedicated to a year of Jesus' life. So 33 days of prayer in the lead up to um, making my final decision on going on mission to serve others. 
So basically, a friend of mine had told me about this mission because he himself had gone on several missions uh, with this group called the Missioners of Christ. So um, it kind of was like stuck in my head already. Like, okay, yeah, I could devote some time to this group. And what I liked about it as well was he said that you know they work in Honduras. Um, they work with the poor, but you know there's a big focus on um, prayer life and the sacraments, and you know they're they're about um, what their focus is. Sorry, what their focus is is on the salvation of the soul, and not just you know giving material handouts, which I love because you know like um, the salvation of the soul really really is the most important thing you know, and. Um, so that really spoke to me, and I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to commit like 33 days of prayer to this. And so I finished, and my intention was to finish the, the 33 days starting on New Year's Day. Um, it ended on the Feast of Our Lady of Good Success, and um, which was what I wanted, wanted to happen, which is why I started on New Year's Day. Before I started the, uh, the 33 days, on New Year's Eve, I went to uh, Adoration and Midnight Mass, and just before Father raised the Blessed Sacrament in benediction, before Mass started, um, I was sitting there in, in, in silence and I felt God speak to me again. And almost one year later, and the words were like, you know, this time, don't forget how much I love you. And that really just like, you know, that hit me pretty hard as well. Um, and then, so during this 33 days of prayer, I was just committing each day um, to our Lord. And when I came to the end of it, um, actually, I hadn't told the organizers of the mission my, the specifics of, of, of uh, my prayers and, and my discernment for the mission, but they had actually accepted me on the final day, on the fifth day of Our Lady of Good Success. And, you know, looking back at it now, like, you know, I just... Yeah, everything just kind of fell into place. And while I was doing the 33 days of prayer, there was a day where I started to get a bit like edgy. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Should I be, should I be doing this? Like, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing. And I was getting a bit worried just about like random stuff. And then an email comes in at work, which is not addressed to me. It was addressed to my boss, but I've been CC'd into it. And it was just about this story. It was a story idea about, like, you know, like we have these people that you know, contribute to our parish and they just been nominated for this and that and whatever. And, but the lady um, who sent the email, she was like, okay, thank you, kind regards, and then her name. And then under her name was Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And that was like towards the end of the 33 days. And I was like, you know what? I am almost sure about, you know, what I what I'm being called to do now. So I'm just gonna, you know, you know, let um, let the organizers know, uh, put the put you know, start getting the application ready. And yeah, sent it through and then on the feast of our lady of good success and uh, ended up getting accepted. So it's it's pretty crazy. The whole thought um uh behind going on this mission was I think I, I realized over the Christmas period I've been given so much in my life and I've been granted so many amazing experiences, you know, like traveling the world. Um, just my life here in general is very comfortable. And I just thought, you know, like, what am I doing with it? Um, I, I was reflecting on, you know, the, um, 
the Gospel of Luke, where you know he who is entrusted with much, um, you know, he has to, you know, he should be going out and doing a lot, and even more so the person entrusted with more. And one of the other things that happened during the 33 days, actually, was I, when I submitted my application, when I first started writing it, I quoted Saint Teresa of Avila's "Christ has no body but yours," which came to my mind, and I was praying. Um, and I was like, you know, because, you know, Christ has no body but yours, um, being a source of inspiration to me in, in wanting to come out and, and do this mission. And I was serving Mass on that Sunday, which was only like two days later. And in his homily, our Archbishop um, said, you know, I can't remember what he was talking about, but the one thing I do remember was that he said that there's this thing, there's this quote by St. Teresa of Avila that's been, you know, coming up a lot in my mind recently, that Christ has no body but yours. And he started to talk about the quote, and I was like, man, you know, like so many things just kept falling into place. And I was just, I think I was, I was, I was really comforted by that. And I just wanted to you know, give back of myself, essentially, and just do something with my life since I've been, you know, given so much. And that's, yeah, that's essentially it. Mate, it's an incredible, incredible story. I um, yeah, there's not much that can be said about it. It's just, it's so, it's so great when uh, things like that happen. Uh, and yeah, it just God does have an amazing sense of humor. Um, and pati- yeah. particularly this uh, Saint Joseph. This this always this happens a lot in my personal life as well. Um, for yeah. our family, Saint Joseph is a key, massive key player, the key player I think for our family. <laughs> And the amount of just those cheeky little situations where things like that happen, like the guy in the Uber and that sort of thing, (laughs) it's just, yeah, it's just unwarranted how often it happens. And, uh, you know, some people say coincidence, but you know, you know, in your heart, that's not the case. Um, so yeah, look, exciting times ahead for you. I imagine nervous, excited combination of the two and yeah, (laughs) it's yeah. A combination of nervous, uh, like uh nervous and excited i would say um uh, definitely um really looking forward to what uh you know i'll get to experience over the next you know four or five months or so um nervous because you know i just it's it's a it's a big change in you know i'll, I'll be going to like staying in a dorm with other missionaries um who don't speak a word of english so I'm sure I'll be able to get by. I do speak Spanish, but even then, you know, like making such a drastic change as well. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I'm very excited. The one thing I think would be, uh, which more so because my parents keep asking me about it, is they're like, is it safe there? Is it safe there? <laughs> and, you know, cause mainly because like Honduras has one of the highest like murder rates in the world. And I think uh, a lot of the work will be with, with um young people and trying to, you know, reach out to them to try and um, show them the way to live, you know, instead of a lot of people over there, they tend to like drugs and gangs and violence and stuff. So a lot of the work there will be to um, to help catechize people. So I suppose that's where the uh, my, my nervousness lies. It's, it's probably going to be the, the safety aspect, but at the same time, I just have to trust in God and, and you know, commit my mission and, and life to his mercy. And I guess that's the comfort is seeing how much he's already proven to you, how much he loves you and reminded you of that. And yeah, yeah showing that in your life is that it makes it a lot easier to, and that the feelings, they will always be there, but making the decision to trust him and entrust your 
um, yeah, your personal safety and all of that, Tim's much easier knowing that he's uh, taking such good care of you. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess one other question I've got then, um, just before we Mm -hmm. tie this off is you you said, uh, while you're traveling, you have these moments obviously where you've had amazing encounters. Um, yeah, whether a lady of good success or adoration, benediction, any, any and all of the above, but then you have these other times where you've, uh, unfulfilled. So it's, it's still, you're still in a good place and you're not necessarily doing anything wrong, doing good things, having great experiences, Mm -hmm. but the feeling of being unfulfilled. So I think that's a very common issue. A lot of, uh, a lot of us are having these days with that whole go back to work, work's normal, get into the swing of things. Uh, maybe go on a fun holiday, whatever. Uh, it's, it's not radical. Um, so you're taking a very radical step, which is very, very commendable, but would you have anything that you'd say for people who are already, you know, they're doing their job and they can't just up and leave their job or they're, they're married, they have a family and they, um, they can't do anything as extreme or as radical, even though they might be inspired by hearing this. So what would you say, or what would you change? Um, do you have any opinion on that? I think, um, in my situation, the radicalness of, of this is, uh, it's just a part of um, the deepening my relationship with God. But I do think that one can find sanctification in the ordinary daily life as long as it is offered up to God and done out of love for God. Um, you know, St. Jose Maria Escriva writes um, uh, frequently about you know the sanctification of, of work um, in the ordinary daily things. And I think, you know, these these big things that we go out and do and stuff like like this mission for example like they're amazing and stuff but I do also think that the daily life um, and just the the little things the, the going about loving your family um, doing you know doing your job um, as best that you can and offering it up to God as well is as is as valuable as going out and, and going on mission. I think the key point, though, is that everything has to be turned towards God and offered to God, um, whether it be you know for a specific intention or whether it's for you know for the souls in purgatory or if it's you know it could be for anything you know because I think along with the monotony of daily routine life comes suffering. You know, suffering comes. Always, it doesn't really matter when. But I think turning that suffering into sanctification is a key aspect of living a faithful life. So I would say for, for fulfillment, I would I would say that only God can bring the fulfillment that people desire, as long as they turn to Him with an open heart and are ready for Him to work in their life. Uh, the saints have have been like great examples of that. You know, there, there's so many. Like, there are saints who've done, you know, amazing things in their life. They've gone out and like, they're missionaries, they're, they're martyrs. Um, they've gone out and done amazing work. But then there are also saints who just go about the usual every day and just love their family. Like Saints Louis and Billy, the parents of Saint Therese, for example. You know, who just you know love their family and just did as much as they could so that their their family could get to heaven. And so that they themselves could get to heaven as well. So I do think that um, one will not find fulfillment in the material, in the everyday things of this world, but in the everyday life, they can find fulfillment in the Lord, um, as long as they are open to it and they are willing to um, accept whatever difficulties that come and joys as well. 
so yeah, everything turning everything towards Christ um, because He alone suffices. <laughs> uh, this would be a great place to quote that Romans quote again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all things must be for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. That's the one, mate. It's meant to be. Look, yeah. now it's, we've gotten to this point now where you are the one saying the quote now, so it's uh, it's a good way to end <laughs> the loop. <laughs> yeah. But, well, actually, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, actually, so just a quick one. Um, the other day I actually said to someone like, oh yeah, I told them this story and I was like, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to it coming up again. Last night I was actually, um, looking at a bunch of prayers for a friend in need and I randomly clicked on this link. It wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with Romans, but there it was, that quote, Romans 8.28, sitting on that website. <laughs> Evan, <laughs> oh, they absolutely love playing with us like this, but uh, yeah, it's good. It's good yep, fun. Sure do. Well, look, mate, yeah. thank you so much for spending some time with us and um, sharing oh, that. With... Thanks for having me. No, it was in- incredible. And yeah, look, we wish you, uh, myself and all the listeners who will be hearing this at some point or other, they wish you all the best and really look forward to seeing uh, what you're called to over the next six months or so. Thank you. And please pray for me and please pray as well for the missioners of Christ that I'll be serving. Um, yeah, so that we can, you know, best make the the, the name of the Lord and um, His love more present to the people around us in the community.